think one of the fundamental questions to life is why are we here? I know in the last six months I've asked myself a lot, how did I get here? But I think why are we here? What are we doing on this vigil? And why is the mass the way that it is are two fair questions. And they're worth asking, especially when you think of all the things you could be doing, you chose to come here to glorify God, and you chose well, you chose, we may say, the greater things in life. The notion of holding vigil is extraordinarily ancient. Augustine and Jerome in the third and fourth centuries are already talking about Christians holding vigil. The word vigil comes from the Latin vigilo, which means to watch. Christians, the night before major feasts, would gather and they would hear the word of God and they would pray and they would celebrate mass in anticipation of the feast. That should sound very familiar. That's exactly what we are doing. The vigil was seen as a way to prepare for the feast. It would sort of psychologically throw them with great vigor into the feast. And so they would spend large portions of their nights in vigil. There's the ancient saying, I think it's Leo the Great, who says, on Wednesdays and Fridays, let us fast, and on Saturday, let us hold vigil. And the idea of a vigil for Pentecost is heightened because that is precisely what Mary and the apostles did before Pentecost. They were gathered together in prayer, and that is what we are doing. We have imitated Mary and the apostles. And when in doubt in life, imitate Mary and the apostles and you'll be all right. So we are holding vigil. So why is the mass the way that it is? Why did I aim for greater solemnity? I hope over the last six months, I have been able to show you sort of the gauntlets or the expanse of the Roman liturgy. If you come to my 6.15 a.m. mass, you know It has a noble simplicity to it. I don't sing, not only because I can't sing, but because it is supposed to reminisce a low mass. It is quiet. It is contemplative. It's actually my favorite style of mass. You know, on Saturday mornings, I sort of ramp it up a little bit. And on Sundays, we have greater, we have a progressive solemnity. At 9.30 and 10.30, we marshal our resources, and we have even higher solemnity. And then there have been a few times throughout the year when I have gathered every resource that I can in Ozaki and Washington County to have sort of these solemn masses. And the reason I do that is, is on purpose. I want you to see all that the Roman liturgy can do. I want you to experience it like a parent, right? You want your kids to experience all these things. My parents tried to enculturate me. It kind of worked. I think I would appreciate things now, more now. And that doesn't mean you will like everything, but you should experience it. And the other reason for doing it is sort of each style of mass is prayed differently and has to be entered into differently. And so it sort of forms your heart in an expansive way to worship God, which is ultimately what you were created for, to worship God. So you pray sort of the low mass differently than you pray a high mass. And for Pentecost, I'm of the opinion that one should try and bring as much solemnity as they can. And the reason for that is it helps you relive Pentecost. 
Because what you want to do at masses like this, where you have smells and bells and a quartet in the organ, you want two things to touch you. The first is the infinite mystery and the infinite majesty of God. You want to be hit with the transcendent. You want to see the infinite beauty of God. You want to see the infinite truth of God. You want to see the infinite majesty of God, and you want to be enveloped in it. You want to allow the mass to lift you up from the cares and the concerns of the world, from your fears, from all the things that bothered you over the past week, and allow it to place you with the angels and the saints before the throne of God, and allow his glory to wash over you. And then you want to just pray. You want to receive love from God. It's one of the hardest things to do. I have a friend who says that the hardest teaching of the Catholic Church is that you are loved unconditionally by God and you don't have to earn it. And we bristle at that. My formator in seminary used to tell me I was terrible at receiving love. He says you get very prickly. <laughs> He's right. Because receiving love from God is hard. If you think all the way back in the Garden of Eden, all God wanted to do is love us so much that he would divinize us, that he would make us like gods, and we said, no, we're going to try and do it on our own. We're going to try and earn his love. We're going to try and earn his grace, and we fell. And that desire to earn the love of God runs deep within us. And so we are terrible at sitting in front of God and receiving his love. And so when the Mass brings you into the majesty of God, then all you want to do is receive. The same Holy Spirit which was poured out on Pentecost upon Mary and the apostles, the torrent of divine love, the wellspring of worship, the eternal flame of the Trinity of love, God desires to pour into your hearts tonight, and all you have to do is receive it. And that's hard. And all of the things which we do get in the way of God. And so allow the Mass to lift you up. Enter into the mystery of it. Allow it to lift you before the throne of God. And then worshiping God eyelid to eyelid, allow the Father to pour into your hearts the fire of his divine love. Allow him to love you because ultimately that's all he wants to do.